Good day. How are you? Awesome. Thank you so much, team, for leading us. And uh, my name is Ike Unger. I'm the lead pastor here at Deer Run Church. And it's an honor for me to be able to speak to us today. Today we are wrapping up our spiritual formation series. And uh, I think uh, so far from what I'm hearing, um, this has been a good series. It's a good, good way for us to process things and just to understand um, our spiritual lives a little bit better. And today I want to do what I've done in the previous sermons. Uh, I just want to take a few minutes and just kind of give you the angle or the foundation from which I am addressing the topic that we're, we're talking today uh, about today. Today we're going to talk about reading our Bible. And uh, I had first initially entitled it How to Read Your Bible, but I figured that's not really um, a great title for the sermon because I don't want to tell you how to read your Bible, but I want to give you some, some information on when you read your Bible and what to be aware of, and, and we'll, we'll look at that in a little bit. So the foundation, the angle, where am I coming from with this? And I think uh, the easiest way for me to explain my angle or what I firmly believe is found in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It says this, All Scripture is God-breathed, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That is what I believe. That all scripture is God-breathed. And so this is, you know, a very common verse. This is a verse that's very important for us when we approach scripture. We need to recognize this. We need to know this. And I want to suggest to us today that maybe the key word in this uh, in these verses is the word all. All scripture, meaning that we cannot pick and choose which Bible verses we like and which ones we don't like. We cannot choose which verses we're going to apply to our lives and which ones we're not. It also means that we need to take every verse in context with all scripture. Because it is very easy for us and it's very easy and it's very common actually to take scripture out of context. So I want to just give you two verses, I mean, we could talk about a lot of them, but two verses that are often, if not, um, not always, but often taken out of context. The most famous verse that is taken out of context is Philippians chapter 4, verses 13. Philippians 4, 13 says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And this is a beautiful verse, it is a beautiful assurance, it is a beautiful promise. But let me be very clear to you, this does not mean that you do not need to study for a test. It's not what it's saying, okay? This does not mean that you're going to make the team. This does not mean that the girl's going to marry you. Just because I can do all things through Christ, she also can do all things through Christ and say, no. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't have said married, Maybe we should have said dating, but anyway. So this is one of those verses we like to throw out there and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, who gives me strength. And, and if we're not careful with a verse like this, we can take it out of context, and often we do. See, Paul wrote this in prison. That gives you context. That gives you a little bit of an understanding of what he maybe meant. He's waiting to go on trial, and he's very likely expecting to be executed. So if Paul can do all things, why doesn't he just walk through those walls? See, the thing is, Paul was writing this about his ability to endure hardship, to remain faithful to Christ in the midst of, you know, very difficult times. He wrote this in saying, I can do all things, meaning I can shine the gospel of Jesus even in my most darkest place. And he never intended it for it to be used in saying, I can do earthly things. 
for my own benefit especially. Another verse that's very commonly used is Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Now you have likely heard this verse many times, and one of the places you have likely heard this place used is when you attended a very poorly attended event. <laughs> and the speaker gets on stage, and there's only three of you. And he's like, well, hey, the Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, their God is in our midst. And you're thinking to yourself, well, there's three of us here. Maybe if I leave, there's still two, and God could still be in our midst, because if no one else wanted to be here, why am I here? And so we often use a verse like this to kind of say, well, you know, even when we're a small group of people, God is in our midst. And while reality is God is always in our midst. So what was the actual meaning behind this verse when Jesus said this? Jesus was writing this to the church because another thing that we can often do with a verse like this is we can look at it and say, well, I don't need the larger body. I can just have my little circle of friends. I can just sit in my little group, you know, and, and I'm good. I don't need the larger body. I don't need, you know, people I don't necessarily see eye to eye on. I'll just isolate myself and then I'm good. See, Jesus was writing this to leaders. And he was talking about conflict. Conflict re resolution. This is the verse where he talks about if someone sins against you, go and, and show them. And then if that doesn't work, bring someone else. And if that doesn't work, go to the church. And then he says whatever the church decides. And that's what he's talking about. That's the context of this church, encouraging these leaders, encouraging these people to say that when you decide something, you've invited God into the midst of that, that what you have decided, God will honor. And so it's an important verse for us to, to recognize because this is one of those verses that we can easily take for We could spend the entire sermon talking about verses that are often taken out of context. So we need to be careful when we read Scripture that we read the text as it was meant to be read. That we understand the text. And this requires hard work. This requires us to study scripture and to be aware of the context and, and the surroundings and, and what was happening at that time. So that we are true to the text. But more importantly, so that we recognize that all scripture, all scripture is God-breathed. And it must be applied. So I want to introduce you to a word that you probably know. But this is a word that you need to understand when it comes to reading your Bible. And the word is presupposition. Presupposition. We must understand that all of us read our Bible with our presuppositions. We all interpret Scripture with an underlying assumption or conclusion. This is neither good nor bad. We just need to be aware of it. What is presupposition? Presupposition is... According to David Wright, presuppositions are simply beliefs that everyone has that affects how we think, view of the world, interpret evidence, and of course, read the Bible. The dictionary says that presuppositions are things quietly assumed beforehand at the beginning of a line of argument or course of action. These are the things that we come to the text with. A presupposition is neither good nor bad. For example, one of my presuppositions whenever I read my Bible is that God is real, that the Bible is true, and that the Bible is the Word of God. Those are presuppositions that I come with. I don't every time I open my Bible and say, okay, hold on a second. I need to first decide whether I believe these things. Those are my presuppositions. I come to the Bible with these presupposed ideas and truths. But however... When we go to certain texts in scriptures, just be careful 
we need to be careful that we allow the Bible to guide us and that rather than allowing our presuppositions to guide the Bible. There are certain texts that we may run into. I'm, I'll just use one. War and peace. There's a, there's a divide in the church around those two topics. You may come to that with your history, your family background, your culture, and you would approach that with your understanding, presupposition. And so you need to be careful that whenever we read the Bible, that we allow the Bible to talk to our culture, to speak to our, our history, to speak to our traditions, rather than our presuppositions determining what those verses mean. So I want to say that to you because presuppositions play a much bigger role in our Bible reading than we often think. We have learned over time to know certain things. And we need to be careful that when we say, well, this and this, that we recognize that those are always to be challenged under the light of the gospel, under the scriptures, and that we do not take our presuppositions and determine what the Bible says based on them. Much more could be said on this, but I hope, you know, that's just one of those things that is vitally, vitally important for us to recognize. So how do we read our Bible? How do you read your Bible? There's a big difference between studying your Bible and reading your Bible. We today are going to focus on reading our Bible. This is not a sermon on hermeneutics, on how to study your Bible. There are generally two different ways that people read their Bible. And I'm, this information I'm gleaning from Dr. Tom Swinney. Uh, he was my professor, and he taught a course called Prayer and the People of God. And, and I think he outlines it for us very, very beautiful. The first thing we need to recognize is that one way to read the Bible is what's called informational reading. Informational reading. This is how all of us were taught to read in school. When you went to school, you were taught to read a story, and you read it for information, to read to understand we bring this with us then when we come to the Bible. And so again, I'm not saying good or bad. I just want you to be aware of the fact that when you read your Bible, you're going to read it either as informational or the one I'll introduce in a little bit. So the goal of informational reading is to learn more about God. So we cover as much content as possible, as quickly as possible. The more you know, the more successful you appear, and at times the more you know, the more spiritual you're actually going to sound, and the more spiritually you're going to be perceived. The goal of pre, uh, informational reading is to master the passage. We want to master the text. Bring the passage under our control, and then justify our control. We want to justify our, our understanding against other people's understandings, often of the same passage. And this is where you end up with these big debates between people who believe this and those who believe in you know, predestination and those who don't believe in predestination. Those who believe in war and those who don't believe in war. And, and the list goes on and on. These are people who have, who have come to their conclusions and now they defend their information that they found in those texts. We keep ourselves distant from the text. We remain analytical. We read to find support for our beliefs and to be able to explain away anything that does not support our beliefs. Again, this isn't bad. I just need you to understand this is one way of reading your Bible. Information reading, information reading can be pragmatic. We read to find something we can use. 
that might help us to solve a problem or give direction to a situation that we are in. Often, you know, we're more concerned with fact-finding than deeper meaning. And one caution with informational reading is that the Bible can become very black and white. Topics can become very black and white. Because we are reading it only for information, we're not connected to the text. We are more, uh, an unknown author says, we are, uh, we are more often seeking some tidbits of information that, we will enhance our under, that will enhance our understanding of the Christian faith without challenging or confronting the way we live. And so this is one way to read the Bible. That we just want these, you know, what does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about this? And we read in light of those questions, in light of finding answers to those, to those areas. This is a very common standard for informational reading. The main emphasis is on information, taking a position on a topic, and then defending it against those who have come to a different conclusion using the same method. So that's informational reading. The second way that you read your Bible is formational reading. This is a very different approach. Rather than just reading to know more about God, the author or the reader seeks to encounter God. We want to experience the character of God. So when we're reading and we see these things that God has done, we're, we're not so much you know, uh, in, into the information about what God did, but we want to hear the heart behind what God did. So we read small portions. Rather than reading large amounts of Scripture at a time, we read small amounts. The goal is not to read long portions of a book and end up, you know, we may actually end up rereading certain passages several times in one setting to truly understand the text and what the text is saying. This takes time, and instead of, you know, rushing on to the next verse, we may stop and say, man, I didn't quite hear what God was saying. Is God trying to tell me something? What, is God, what does God mean for me in this passage rather than just moving on before we have a, an opportunity to encounter God? We work deeply within the passage to explore its many layers and meanings. We do not look at just the surface. Instead of mastering the passage, we allow the passage to master us. We work deeply with, within the passage to understand its deeper meaning. We want to become servants of Scripture rather than the master of the text. We're not so concerned about being able to explain what a passage means in formational reading, we want to understand what God is saying to me. Now, this requires an openness to encounter God. We don't enter the text with our problems or our agenda. We open the text to hear what God has to say. So there's an openness. I open my Bible and it's not like, okay, I need a grace. Where, who writes about grace? Who writes about love? So we open our Bible carefully and we explore to see what is God saying right now? Okay, my Bible just happens to be open here in Matthew chapter 7, the transfiguration. What could this passage possibly, what do I learn about God and how that applies to my life? So there's an openness to encounter God rather than just getting through the text. This requires patience. Since we do not always encounter God, you don't always open your Bible and every single time God speaks to you in a deep, meaningful way, you become patient, reading over and over daily, making this part of your discipline, being patient, 
Trusting that God is preparing you to experience Him, to hear from Him. So we listen carefully, and this is part of spiritual formation. Now I want to spend some time looking at formational reading because from what my experiences are with most people, most of us are very good at informational reading. We've, we've, we've learned to do informational reading. We, we understand how to read a text and, and to see what the text says, but it, when it comes to formational reading, many of us um, maybe have not practiced that quite as much. So I want to spend some time in this. So for some of you, this may be a significant switch from the way you've normally read your scripture. If you've spent most of your time using the informational approach to reading your Bible, formational approach takes some time to learn to do. It takes patience. It takes, it takes practice. It, it takes learning how to listen. Formational reading is so important. It's, like I said, informational reading isn't bad. We're definitely not saying that. It's necessary. But it should not be the only way that we read our Bible. God is not just about us knowing about him. God wants us to know him. To not just know the things about God, but to truly know him, to experience him. So we need to strive to encounter God in a personal way, to experience him, to engage with him. So formational reading requires us to meditate on scripture. And this word often causes some, you know, caution, and it should, but Meditation is a very common theme in the Bible. To meditate means to think or ponder upon. This requires listening. This is key to formational reading, to pause, to think, to ponder on what Scripture is saying, and it needs to, of course, be combined with prayer. Look at what it says in Luke chapter 5, verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus would have known everything there was to know about God. Jesus knew everything about God. But he would withdraw to these lonely places to pray, to engage with God, to be with God, to encounter God. Jesus needed to spend time with his Father. He withdrew to spend time with God for various reasons. Sometimes to prepare for a difficult task, to work through grief, to recharge, to make an important decision. And likely the most well-known is when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he withdrew in a time of great distress. And he spent time with his father to speak with him, to be with him, to hear from God. If you are not in the practice of doing formational reading of Scripture, I hope that these tools are going to give you some things that you can begin to apply into your life to engage Scripture in a new and more fresh way. Or I shouldn't say more fresh way, in a, in a, in a different way. So let's talk then, how do you do formational reading? What's involved? The first thing you need to understand is that you need to set the stage. We are impacted by the environments that we are in. So don't use a place, if you're going to use formational reading, don't use a place where you are often doing other activities. For example, I do not use my office for my devotion time. I, it's my office is where I study, my office is where I meet with people, my office is where I you know, often prepare sermons. It's, it's not the same, you know, that I have, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, 
it's a place where I work, in a sense. So for me to sit in my office, often my, my work brain goes on. The phone will ring, or there's, oh, there's, I maybe check my emails. So I need to switch environments. My environment will impact my experience. So I would encourage you to make space ready for that to work for you. I often, I like to sit in my front porch um, and do my reflection there. It's, it's separate from the rest of the house. And, and although sometimes people walk by and it can be distracting, for the most part, sitting in my front porch by myself works really well for me. Make sure that the place is quiet and has good lighting so that you can read comfortably. The, you know, keep distractions away. If you have your phone with you, leave your phone somewhere else. Anything that would keep you from being distracted. So you're going to need to set the stage. Important, it is important for us to prepare a physical place where we can encounter or, or a place where we can meet God. The second thing you may want to do is follow a plan. Don't just read whatever comes up or read, you know, the passages that you love over and over. So using a plan, a Bible plan, may help you to read passages that you may not have otherwise found. So I want to be cautious here. I don't want to say anything about some of the devotional books that are out there. But be careful that you don't find yourself reading a devotional book where you read an entire page on what someone thinks and then at the bottom one tiny verse. This is about reading your Bible. Formational reading isn't reading a devotional book what someone else experienced in your Bible. It is about you encountering God in your Bible. But there are lots of great Bible reading plans out there. You might want to open up a plan and say the characteristics of God or the character of God. And you're going to find all these passages in the Bible that tell you about the different characters of God. The names of God is another great one. So you may want to read a, a Bible plan that just takes you all over Scripture, introducing you to the different names of God and, and then understanding and spending time saying, wow, I just read today about you know, a God who provides. And, and I hope you understand what I'm saying. So follow a plan. Because if you find yourself, man, I love the book of Romans or I love the, the gospel of Mark or I love you know, 1 John. And you just kind of read it and you're going to get trapped back into more informational reading. What you want to do is find places in the Bible you haven't always been. And allow those verses to reveal a part of God to you that you may not have encountered in other ways. I'll just say right now, the minor prophets can be great for this. And many of you have probably never read the minor prophets. So read the minor prophets. You're going to see and you're going to learn some things about God. They're incredibly confusing at times. But I find them to be very helpful. The other thing that you want to do with this is you want to build a habit. Do something similar each time to get you prepared to spend time with God. Build a habit. Make this as part of something that you do in your day. For me, most mornings, um, I like to wake up, go for a 30-minute walk with my dog, uh, spend time during that walk praying, listening, or sometimes just taking in nature. And it's just my wake up. It's the you know, fresh air in your face and, and it's a way to wake up. And then when I get home, I make my coffee and then I go to my, the front porch and I spend some time in my reading. This has become such a part of my day that when I don't do it, it actually feels like there's something missing. I'm out of rhythm. 
in my day. And so make it a habit. Make it something that you do regularly as, as a way to, you know, um, prepare yourself and to be with God. If you do this regularly, like you do your breakfast and other things, suddenly it's just part of your day and it becomes something that's very, very meaningful. I want to caution again, be careful not to listen to music because it can be a distraction. You might say, well, music, music speaks to me. Music, you know, guides me. Well, we want scripture to speak. We want scripture to guide. So be careful that you don't use other distractions. You want the focus to be on listening to God's word, reflecting on what it means for you, and by doing so, encountering God. And then, of course, you need to include prayer in this. Prayer is what distinguishes mere reading scripture and meditating on it. Start with prayer. You may want to use Psalm 119, verses 18. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Open my eyes, God, that I may see what you have for me. Open my heart. Open the eyes of my heart, the eyes of my mind, the eyes of my soul, God, that as I read these verses now, that I may see you and experience you. You also want to allow the text you read to guide your prayer. So sometimes you may read something in, in Scripture and you read something about God or, or you know, you're taught something new about God. Well, incorporate that into your prayer. Pray that Scripture. Pray that text. Allow yourself to pray what you are reading. It may include something like as simple as, like, I don't know, God, what it means here. That you are, a God, uh, you are a just God. But Lord, you are a just God. You are a merciful God. And allow the text to lead you as you pray. To say it back to God. And then of course you want to conclude with prayer. That when you're done praying, you, you thank God for the opportunity that you had to meet with Him. Thank God for the text that you were just able to read. And ask Him to help you to apply it to your life. Even if you don't feel that you've encountered God at that moment, prayer can be this beautiful thing of telling God, you know what, thank you for allowing me and thank you for this opportunity that I had to just be with you and I long to know you. I long to experience you. I long to live my life in your presence. Prayer, pray where you are at, not where you wish to be. Pray where you are at, not where you wish to be. Sometimes when we talk to God, we tend to pray as if we're more spiritual than we really are. It's okay sometimes to say, God, I, I've now come to you for a whole week. I've read these passages. I hear nothing. I hear nothing, God. I'm frustrated, but I'm going to keep coming. I'm going to keep listening. I want to experience you. You're praying where you are at. You don't start and you're like, God, thank you so much. Everything is awesome. And yet your heart is wondering where and what is happening. So pray where you are at, not where you wish to be. Another thing that's really important for formational reading is to read actively. This, may, this means that you need to slow down and savor what you are reading. And the best way to read actively or to read slowly is to read out loud. Most of us read much slower out loud than when we read in our heads. It also allows us to fight distractions that may come. We become the distractors in a sense. 
Because we're reading out loud, and you should know that the history of the church shows that until the printing press, Scripture was always read out loud. There's something very meaningful about that. And, and if you remember, before the printing press, Scripture was read out loud, and huge portions of Scripture were memorized. Because it was read out loud, it was, it was engaged in, in a different way. Another way that you may want to slow down your reading is to write out the text. Take a note of a piece of paper with you, and, and when you're reading a small passage of Scripture, write out the text that you were reading. Instead of just quickly reading the, pa uh, the passage and moving on, write it out. You know, just word for word, take time. And as you slowly look back and forth between your paper and your, and your Bible, you're going to slow down. You're going to engage with that text in a deeper way. Now, I want to encourage you, don't use a computer. Don't use your, you know, because it's not the same as handwriting. And if you're like, well, my handwriting is so messy, I can't read it. The goal is not to read it again. The goal is to engage, to connect. So write it out. I want to encourage you, if you've never practiced this discipline, take a book like 1 John and write the entire book out into your own handwriting. It will take you time. It will cause you to look back and forth many times. You're going to have to look at how to spell a word. You're going to have to look at punctuation. And I guarantee you by doing so, you're going to find yourself slowly reading and experiencing what Scripture says. And then finally, stay alert. Know your rhythm. If you're not a morning person, then this may not be a great thing for you to do in the morning. But also know that you want to save this for the best time of your day. So if you are like, well, morning doesn't work for me, and I'm going to do it after everything else is done, well, then suddenly you're going to find yourself tired and it may not work. So you could see this, if you want, as giving God your first fruit. I'm going to give God the best time of my day in order to do this. And I recognize with work and all that, you have to, you have to juggle all of that. But for yourself, try to find, when can I give God my best attentive time so that I'm awake, so that I'm not distracted by all the things that have maybe happened that day? Give God your best. So be aware of your posture. Being alert means also recognizing our posture. If you lie back or slouch on the couch, your body, your brain will naturally say, relax and maybe have a nap. This is often associated, our bodies have learned, to associate this with rest and you will find yourself maybe struggling more to be awake. Keep it short. You don't need to spend an enormous amount of time. Quality time is really important here. We all have our limits. So find a time frame that works best for you. My mind will only, you know, work for so long and then it starts to wander. And so I've learned what that timing is. And so I push myself at times as a discipline. But for the most part, I need to recognize the rhythm of my brain and the rhythm of my life and then make this work according to that so that I'm, a, I'm alert and I'm awake while I'm doing this. All of us have moments where we are more sleepy. Be aware of passive resistance. You may find yourself at times not wanting God to speak into an area of your life. You may open your Bible and all of a sudden there's a passage that you found and you're like, man, no, I don't want God to speak to this. So be aware of that. Be alert in that sense too that, that there are going to be times where the Scripture is going to tell you something about God that you may not like. You may experience passive aggression. While, your Bible, while you are in your Bible, you, you're so sleepy 
And then as soon as you close your Bible, you're wide awake. And I've heard many people joke about this, like, man, as soon as I want to pray or as soon as I want to read my Bible, I'm like, I can't keep my eyes open. So be alert about that. I would suggest to you that there's maybe something going on. There's spiritual warfare. Something is trying to keep you from engaging in Scripture. So be alert to that. If you find yourself over and over, every time you open your Bible, you find yourself distracted and, and tired and, and you know, not able to focus, be alert to that. Be aware of the fact that this may be something you want to, before you start, really pray protection over yourself and saying, God, I want to spend time with you. I want to, I want to read this to have you for my life. Meaning that I know there's an enemy who's going to want to keep me from this. So I pray against that enemy now. And this may be something that as soon as you feel yourself getting tired, you're just going to need to do. God, at this moment, if I'm just tired, I'm tired. But if there's an enemy trying to keep me from engaging, I pray against that enemy. And this is an important step for us to, to include in our time of, of reading Scripture, that we are alert to what Scripture is saying because Satan would love for us to do nothing more than to not spend time. Or I would say it this way, Satan would also love for us to only know about. I was talking to one of our staff members this week and I said to that staff member, something that we know well, that if anybody knows God, it's Satan. Just knowing about God doesn't impact him. He knows all about God. And if you find yourself just knowing about then just pause for a second and say, okay, God, I know all these things about you. My brain is filled with information about you, but my heart feels disconnected from you. So I want to bring what's here, I want to bring it down, these what they call 18 inches, into my heart. And so that requires us to gently, carefully, patiently, purposely engage in Scripture. So this is a very quick little look at how to read your Bible, these two different ways. You know, you read it informationally, read it formationally. I'm not asking you to do just one or the other. But if you've never found yourself really reading formationally, give yourself a passage and just read that passage over and over. And I want to encourage you to do this. So this is, you know, not a how to study your Bible. You know, we're not looking at, you know, observe, interpret, apply. You know, it's a great thing to, to learn about hermeneutics and to study your Bible. But it's important for us to read our Bible, to experience, to engage God. And I want to say to you, God wants to encounter you. Jesus wants, the Holy Spirit was sent to encounter, to dwell in your life. Oh, God would love nothing more than for us to read and for all of a sudden just these verses that we've maybe read many times before and all of a sudden that verse just begins to have meaning to us in a way that we have never, ever experienced before. So as you go from here, and as we conclude the series, folks, read your Bible. Read your Bible. This book is God's words to us. You're not going to understand everything in this book. There are many, many passages that I read, and I just kind of say, I don't know. And so I wrestle with it. But there are so many passages that I read in this book that give me such comfort that give me strength, that give me assurance. There are passages that I read in this book that rebuke me, that challenge me, 
that point me in a direction that I may not always have wanted to go. This is not just information. This is the words of God spoken to us. And if you've read this more just for information, I want to encourage you to try and to practice reading it for formation. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. And my guess is every household here probably has close to a dozen Bibles on hand. We can open things like our Bible app, and there's literally, if not hundreds of versions and translations. And so God, we have your word in print, in audio, in so many ways. So Lord, it's now on us to engage with it, to engage with you. I thank you for those who have gone before us to write and, and to combine this book and how you've ordained all of this. We recognize that all scripture is God-breathed, and so we, we listen to your word knowing that you, have, you are in these words. You have spoken to us in these words and through these words. But we recognize that as more than just information on topics and on situations, but these words also tell us about you. So as we conclude this series, God, I pray that at the very heart of each one of us would be a longing, God, to engage, to encounter you. May it be so, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day.